right, all right, all right. Day 194. Welcome back to the Windows and Mirrors podcast. My name is Keith. And remember, this is a podcast uh, where we're trying to show you that the Bible is more like a window than it is a mirror. We come to it to see through it and to see God, not to it to primarily look at it and see ourselves. All right, so today we're in the book of Habakkuk, right? So remember, um, this year we are doing a modified chronological uh, plan. And uh, the book of Habakkuk is written by this prophet named Habakkuk. Uh, uh, who is prophesying in the latter half of the southern kingdom of Judah. So he is a contemporary of uh, the prophet Zephaniah and the prophet Jeremiah, who we will uh, talk about tomorrow. And he is prophesying around uh, 630 BC, right? A very, very long time ago. And so um, the book is very short, but its um, size is not um, ind- indicative of its potency or, or, or strength or its power. And what's different about this book, the reason I like this book is because most of the prophets we see go to the people on behalf of God. But what's interesting about Habakkuk is that Habakkuk is going to go to God on behalf of God's people. <laughs> right. And so this is the only prophet we where we are not told of what he actually said to Israel, but only the prophet's private conversation with the God of Israel. Right. And by God's grace, we're given how the Lord responded. Um, it's interesting, too, that Habakkuk, his name is similar to this word for embrace. Right. So even here, you see that he is trying to embrace God in the midst of a world in uh, a time that is extremely dark and chaotic. And I think that's just a word for us right there. That thing, that thing preaching itself with his name. You know what I'm saying? Uh, like like we have to, to, to be those, those kind of people, man, who embrace and cling to God even when the world around us is in utter chaos. Look what he says. He says, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous. Therefore, justice comes out perverted. The very first words that come out of Habakkuk's mouth are how long So many of us have said those exact same words to God. How long must I deal with this? How long must I witness this? How long before you actually step in and do something, Lord? And this shows that the genre of Habakkuk's words are that of a lament. Remember the laments in the book of Psalms, right? We talked about them many moons ago, it feels like. Um, But the laments in the book of Psalms is where um, the people of God, essentially, instead of complaining about God to the world, it's the opposite, right? It's, It's taking your complaints about the world to God. And I think the Bible wants to show us that we need more space for the genre of lament in our very own walks with the Lord, right? We need more space for it. It's good, it's godly, it is biblical, right? And listen, for him, the witnessing of injustice, the witnessing of oppression, the witnessing of wickedness is what um, is found among his very own people among God's people is what Habakkuk sees he he sees all these things amongst among God's people and it makes him come and say is God really good 
God, are you really good? Right? There are some who struggle with God's existence, right? But I think the issue of our time and definitely or of his time for sure, but also of our time is not really God's existence, but his goodness, right? Is God, it, yeah, yeah, it's, it's, it, he can exist or not, but if like, it don't really matter if he exists, if he's not good, right? And Habakkuk is wrestling with this. Why is there so much evil in the world? Yes, but even more so, why is there so much evil among those who claim to know this God? Why, why is the, the, the church in disarray? Listen, the murdering, listen fam, the murdering of unarmed black people, right, of black unarmed black men uh, was not the first time that God's people have seen the badness of the world and started to question the goodness of God. Right. He mentions he says something so interesting. He says this is why he says the he's, he mentions that um the law is ineffective and things aren't as they should be. In other words, he says, God, your, your Bible is here, but it's as if your word for all of the power that you say that's in it. It's as if your word is not even working. It's as if someone cut the power off it's as if you didn't pay the electricity bill that uh, enables your word to shine in the midst of our darkness and the beauty of this um lament right the beauty of of the lament of habakkuk you know in the lament in the psalms the lord doesn't respond <laughs> we don't we're never told what the lord said we just we're just told of what the psalmist uh, uh says right but here god speaks i love it god speaks listen god speaks and he really doesn't have to he doesn't owe us his speech and he actually speaks look what he says verse six he says look i'm raising up the chaldeans that bitter impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own he's like no 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 god comes like no 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 i'm here look look behold 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 it's a it's a um uh, a climactic moment with uh uh so much excitement around it. he says no no look I'm going to raise up the Chaldeans or the Babylonians, another word for the Babylonians, to administer my justice. They are this vicious nation, watch this, that the Lord will use to carry out his justice against his people. But the kicker is right here. He says they're actually worse than y'all, right? Like the people you 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 talking about are bad, but the Babylonians are actually worse. And so Habakkuk comes back, he's like, yo, like. Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? Habakkuk responds. He's like, God, I know you to be holy. I know you to be good. I know you to be eternal. And your eyes are even too good, too holy, too eternal to look on evil itself. But how in the world can a wicked nation judge a more righteous one? So God, so, so Habakkuk was confused <laughs> before and he's even more confused now, how many of us have been in the same situation? We have this confusing situation and we try to go to God's word and we see that, oh, no, no, like I'm even more confused after going to God's word. Chapter two comes and God gives another answer, right? God in his grace responds once again. He says, uh, write the vision and make it 
plain. Folks have abused uh, this verse uh, more than any other uh, verse in the Old Testament, just as just as bad as any other verse uh, in the Old Testament and in the Bible. Write the vision and make it plain. But he is telling him to write down a prophecy of judgment. Most people use that verse to talk about, nah, I got my goals. It's top of the year. You feel me? I'm going to write down the vision, make it plain. God going to bring it to pass. And it's like, ah, in context, he was talking about a prophecy of judgment. Still go for your goals. That's cool. But um, it's something different here in Habakkuk 2. He says, uh, though it delays, look at verse 3, though it delays, wait for it, since it will certainly come and not be late. So in other words, this vision is is of God's judgment and justice that is going to pass. God is going to reveal his justice through what Habakkuk wrote. And and the thing I think we learned in verse three is that just because God's justice is delayed doesn't mean it is denied, right? What, what God is saying is that my justice is coming. It is absolutely sure you can place all your eggs in this basket, right? And that the faith that God calls Habakkuk to and the faith that God calls his people like you and I to is to trust and cling to God, to his promises that he has revealed that his justice will be revealed, right? That his judgment is to come. And the New Testament is going to pick up on this language and it is going to uh, uh, say that the righteous will live by faith, Habakkuk 2 4, but you'll see it in Romans chapter 1, Galatians chapter 3, and in the book of Hebrews, right? We are to live um, uh, by faith in the justice that has been revealed by the God of the universe, right? And so after this, in chapter 2, he's like, Babylon is going to get get it fam like babylon's gonna get it too i'm different i do this right habakkuk gives these five woe oracles that um are directed towards babylon now remember that um the prophets in israel spoke prophecies about the nations right so because god is not just the god of redemptive history he's the god of world history you feel me so the first woe uh god condemns the unjust economics of babylon right um uh, the first two woes, he does that. And the second, the third one, he talks about the slave labor where humans are treated like animals, right? God is serious. He sees it. He ain't sweeping it under the, the rug. Uh, the fourth one is about irresponsible leadership. The fifth one is about idolatry. And he goes in and in and in about all of these things. Once again, the thing we're going to see in this text, Habakkuk chapter two in particular, is that God indiscriminately hates oppression. God indiscriminately hates injustice, regardless of where it is. It isn't about the where. It isn't about where these things are done. It is about that these things are done and that God is going to come through and do something about it. Right. God is going to do something about it. And so the Lord is clear that simply because he used Babylon to carry out his judgment, he's trying to clear this thing up for Habakkuk and us, um, though he used Babylon to carry out his justice uh, and take Israel into exile, that doesn't mean he endorses all that they do, right? That doesn't mean he endorses what they do. And what we see in chapter three, um, and this is the dope thing about reading the book as a whole, right? We see the structure of its entirety uh, is a lament, right? The dope thing we see about chapter three is that he went from problems in chapter one <clears throat> to praising in chapter three. And what changed? Listen, what changed? Not his circumstances, but what he saw, right? Not his circumstances, but what he saw, right? And he saw a revelation of God's justice, which is ultimately the Lord's salvation. In other words, he saw God's salvation through 
judgment. And that was enough. That was enough for Habakkuk. And I want to say to you today, that is enough for you. Let me explain it in a second. Um, The language he's going to use, though, to describe it is reminiscent of what we have seen before in Scripture, the the powerful appearing of the Lord in, in the book of Micah and in the book of Exodus. The Lord is going to appear in power, right? He stands and shakes the earth, he says. He locks and startles the nations. The age old mountains break apart. The ancient hills sink down. His pathways are ancient. And in the middle of, in this middle section, he's going to speak of the actual physical world, right? That is reminiscent and alluding back to the book of Exodus, where God comes through miraculously, breaks into the created order and saves his people while simultaneously condemning the evil and the wicked. Listen, the Lord Jesus will come a few hundred years later and accomplish for us something very similar, but some so much greater, right? The Lord will reveal his justice and the life, death, and resurrection of Christ and the righteous, listen, will live by faith in that very event. The fact that God is so just that he had to punish sin, but also so merciful that he poured it out, not on us, but on his son, Jesus Christ, um, should be a reason for us to go from uh, presenting our problems to the Lord to praising the Lord today. And this book is going to end off that way. The book ends off not super practical, but very theological, right? It is uh, him praising God for what he is doing and is promising to do. He says, though the fig tree does not bud and there's no fruit on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though the flocks disappear from the pen and there are no herds in the stalls, yet I will celebrate in the Lord. I will rejoice in the God of my salvation. Listen, even though things seem futile, even though uh, there is no fruit, there is no vine, there is no crops, things ain't growing as they should. Life doesn't seem like it's going uh, the way a good God would have it go uh, uh, because of what the Lord has revealed, because of what the Lord has revealed to us in the gospel, right? We can trust him. He is absolutely trustworthy and he deserves all of the little faith that we may have listen this is what we need to know today more than anything else is that the lord has revealed his righteousness in the person and work of jesus christ and that righteousness is something strong enough and firm enough to anchor our hope let's pray god we ask for the faith today that we would live, uh, that we should live by.